you have your Bible, and I pray that you do, turn with me to Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning in the precious Word of God, and uh, looking forward to uh, just sharing some simple, simple thoughts with you this morning, and uh, probably nothing uh, uh, revelatory to you this morning, but just some, uh, some reminders that I think would be good for all of us. Uh, November is typically the season when we start to think about Thanksgiving, but I would suggest, and I've always suggested, that that should be every day. <laughs> you guys seem to be very thankful this morning. <laughs> November, I, I, it's, it's funny, you even see people will post this on social media accounts, you know that it's a season of thanksgiving day one of being thankful day two i'm thankful for this day three i'm thankful. man we ought to be thankful each and every day uh today i'm simply really i don't have an introduction i was telling folks all week i don't have an introduction i just have uh really passage in uh three points and uh the reality is there is no introduction necessary for today's message other than to remind you that God has a will for each and every one of our lives. He has a providential will, and if you're not familiar with these, let me just share with you. A providential will are the things that God's going to do, whether you or I like it or not. Right? In the fullness of time, God sent His Son. There was an appointed time that God sent His Son to be born of a virgin. Uh, it was an appointed time that Jesus went to the cross and died for the sins of the world. There's an appointed time, the Bible says, an appointed time unto men once to die, but then comes the judgment. These are God's providential will. It doesn't matter whether I like it, whether you like it or not, it's just going to happen. Sometimes God uses people, though, through His providential will. There's also the moral will of God. The moral will are the uh, thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that. Uh, it's, it's those things that, that quite honestly where God has given us instruction or commands and uh, you know there are some things, I always tell people there are some things that we just don't have to pray about. I talk with people a lot of times and say, well pastor let me pray about that. No, there's some things you don't have to pray about. It's like, uh, should I lie? Let me pray about that. Uh, should I tell the truth? Let me think. No, you don't have to pray about those things. There's the providential will. There's the moral will of God. And then, quite honestly, I think that what most people are always interested in is, man, Pastor, I just want to know God's personal will for my life, the, the things that He wants, His desires, uh, His plans, his, his, his goals for me. What is it that I am supposed to be doing? Can I just say this very nicely? God's providential will and His moral will are the plumb lines, so to speak, upon which God's personal will for every one of our lives flows. In other words, God will never tell you, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that is contrary to the Word of God. A lot of people say, well, it was just God's will for me to do this. You know, He opened up door number one and I walked through it. No, 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 listen. God will never instruct you or me to do something that is contrary to himself or his word. So today I simply want to talk to you about the will of God for the people of God. Look with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we're going to read our text and then we'll jump right in. I want you to see beginning in verse number 16. The Apostle Paul writes some very deep thoughts here. 
He says, rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse number 18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to sing songs of worship and praise unto you today. You are worthy. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our thanksgiving. You are worthy of our prayers and our rejoicing. And Lord, help us never to forget the will of God for the people of God. Lord, I pray that today if there's somebody in our, in our midst, in this room, somebody watching online that has never realized their greatest need of all, the need of forgiveness, the need of a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would make that abundantly clear. Lord, I pray for the believer who may have strayed, for the one who has taken a step backward, Lord, that they would recommit themselves today to you and to your purpose and your will for their life. Lord, I pray that you would continue to have your hand of protection and provision on us. Lord, help us to bring you honor in the things that we think, in the things that we say, in the things that we do. Lord, I pray now that you'll have your will in your way as we look at your word. God, I pray that your word would fall upon the good soil of our hearts. And we'll be careful to give you the praise in advance for all of these things. For it's in Jesus' most precious name that we do pray. And for his sake, the people of God said amen and amen. Number one, I told you no intro. We're going to get right into it. Number one, point number one. I believe God's will for our lives today is that we just simply rejoice. You guys seem real excited about rejoicing. Do you know that to rejoice, you have to actually move these things that we call lips? You have to move your mouth. You're like, well, I'm re brother, I'm just rejoicing on the inside. I hear a lot of people say, I, you don't know, I'm an introvert. Uh, what you guys don't know is I'm actually an introvert. The only time that I speak is when I need to speak. If I'm at home... Uh, it's quiet time. My favorite date is just uh, Chris and I, and, and I'll just be honest, I don't even need to really classify it, but hey, if she likes Hallmark movies, I'll sit there and watch it with her because she's my funny little honey. Uh, pray for her. She had her second shingle shot yesterday or day before, and she's not feeling well this morning, so pray for her as she's at home. Paul, uh, Paul writes here, he says, Rejoice evermore in verse 16. Folks, it's important for us to understand that Paul is not talking about being happy. He's not saying, hey, be happy evermore, because happiness is not even a word or a concept that is taught in the New Testament. He's speaking about joy. You know, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in where? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about joy, you see, because happiness is momentary. Happiness is momentary because typically happiness is based on a circumstance, a feeling, an occasion, if you please. But joy is everlasting. In fact, someone said it this way, joy is not a season, it's a way of living. It's not a season, it's not just incumbent upon November or the third Thursday in November or the last Thursday, I don't even know when Thanksgiving is. What is it? The last Thursday, the third November, whatever. It's not based on one simple day. It's based on all the time. Many people consider November this season of Thanksgiving, but we should be thankful and filled with joy every day of the year because joy is a gift 
from God and it comes from believing Him, receiving Him, and walking with Him. Listen, if you're, you say, I believe in Jesus, step one, uh, I, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, step two, but I'm not walking with the Lord. I got news for you. You're not going to be a very joyful person. You can, have the, you can have the believe and the receive, but if you're not walking with Jesus, you're not going to be a very joyful person. And you know what I always say? Misery loves company. Stay away from it. Miserable people love to gather other miserable people unto themselves. Oh, listen, we need to rejoice. Romans chapter 15 Paul writes to the church at Rome in verse number 13. He says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Watch what he says. In believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit of God? Oh, I am. You better be thankful for him. He's taking up residence inside of you. And man wants to lead God and direct your life if you'll let him. Romans chapter 14, verse number 17. Paul writes again, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Notice what he says, but it's righteousness and peace. And where, what does he say? And joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh yes, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22, and you could read all about the fruit of the Spirit, but right there, right after uh, love is joy. Oh yes. In other words, biblical joy is not based on my performance, praise the Lord. It's not based on your performance, but it has its origin in what God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son has done in the heart and life of everyone who is called out by faith for the forgiveness of sin. Hey, did you know this? Eternal life is just like a bonus plan. Forgiveness is what it's all about. When Jesus died on the cross, He paid the penalty for my sin and for your sin and for the sin of the whole world for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Going to heaven, you know that, that beautiful thing? Some of you looking, some of you have already, I mean, you've already contacted decorators about what your mansion's going to look like. Can I tell you, you don't need a decorator in heaven. Oh, those streets of gold. Are you, are you looking forward to that? Oh, I pray that you are. Oh, listen, Paul put it this way when he wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Notice what he says. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice. Where? In the Lord. And if you look the very next chapter, in chapter 4, in verse number 4, he says it again. He writes, rejoice in who? The Lord. And he says, how long does he say rejoice in the Lord? So what does always mean, or always? That means forevermore. He's, he's literally repeating in a different way exactly what he wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Rejoice evermore. Oh, our biblical joy. If it's not, here's the thing. If, it, if, if you say, oh, pastor, I got biblical joy. If your biblical joy is coming from anywhere or anyone else other than Jesus Christ, then first, it's not biblical joy, and secondly, it's idolatry. If you say, oh, I've got joy, i got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, but it's coming from something or someone other than Jesus, that's not biblical joy. That may be a temporary happiness, that may be a temporary I feel good today, but it's not biblical joy. Oh, my friends, God wants us to be joyful, and quite honestly, I believe He's given us every reason to be so. 
You think about a few weeks ago, I was sharing with you uh, about the fact that I felt like, and some of us, many of us feel like 2020 has been the worst of times. Coronavirus. Anybody a fan of coronavirus? I mean, I'm just trying to take a poll here. Just between us. Coronavirus impacted millions globally. By the way, don't ever forget that coronavirus has impacted some of our Battlefield Church, Battlefield Baptist Church family members. So before we get our halo on too tight and we don't want to be smart with our actions and thoughts, we actually had a lady die in June from coronavirus. Yes, she had other things going on in her life, but coronavirus was uh, in her life. Mark and Christina, coronavirus. Gene Beavers, coronavirus. Listen, coronavirus uh, is not a respecter of persons. And it, by the way, it doesn't shut down at 10 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever. That's the craziest stuff I've ever seen. Sorry, this isn't a message on coronavirus. <laughs> Government mandates. Restrictions, shutdowns, and fear-mongering have become a part of the new normal. Race relations have been strained and tested this year and threatened. Protests, riots, looting, loss of life have become all too commonplace. Would you say 2020 has been the greatest year ever? No, I wouldn't think so. It's not been a great year. But through it all, through it all, I believe we can rejoice. Yeah, even, even though there have been times that I'm sure that you've not wanted to rejoice. There have been times where you didn't feel like rejoicing. You know, I don't feel like doing a lot of things. To be honest, I bet you there were a handful of men and women, woman, had a woman yesterday working out there on the roof, praise the Lord. She kept us all straight. There were probably a handful of men that didn't feel like putting a new roof on the building yesterday, especially after we tore the shingles off of one side of it. But you know what? I'm thankful. I'm thankful that they showed up and took care of the Lord's facilities. Oh yes, as Christians, we have something to give thanks. We have something to rejoice in. By faith, here's the thing. It's amazing. We didn't even coordinate this. Give me faith is the last song that we sang. Faith enables us, think about this, it enables us to rejoice And because here's what happens. Faith actually, Colby, you said we, we're not seeing it yet, but faith enables us to see beyond the circumstances that we're going through. See, I walk by faith, not by sight, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. Oh yes, as Christians, we're all subject to changes. And they're not always good changes. Sometimes we're subject to physical changes, emotional changes, mental changes, financial changes. We're susceptible. Anybody, anybody here go through what they call mood swings? You ever had a mood swing? No, Mark didn't. <laughs> Mark's like, I'd never have mood swings. Mood swings. Anybody ever felt sad? Anybody ever dealt with sorrow? Folks, we can still rejoice no matter, no matter what comes our way. You see, when we fix our eyes on Jesus rather than our circumstances, rejoicing becomes much easier. I think about what Paul said there again, and well, it's on the screen, I believe, Philippians 4.4. Uh, 4. If we could show that again, I think about it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Think about this. 
You know where Paul is when he says rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice. This guy's in prison facing possible martyrdom. And he says, and he writes to this church who had, who had met his needs time and time again. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Yes, I'm in prison. Yes, I may be killed for my faith. But I want to encourage you guys. Hold on. They should have been writing him to encourage him. But he was writing to encourage them. He says, I just want to encourage you guys to rejoice in the Lord. I love what Jesus said. You may have never connected the dots here. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 16, in verse number 33, when he said, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Now watch it. Be of good cheer. He says, I have overcome the world. In other words, what Jesus was saying is that you can rejoice. Because guess what? I've already overcome the world. Any tribulation that you face, any affliction that you face, anything that comes your way, it's nothing because I've already overcome it all. Man, God is good. I'm just getting started. Romans, see, I was telling some of the guys yesterday, I was fearful that we might have to shut down in-person worship, so I prepared a three-hour message today. And everybody gets up and starts walking up. I got to go, Pastor. <laughs> Buffet's not open anyway. Relax. <laughs> oh, I love what, what Romans chapter 8, and I was sharing this uh, with uh, uh, some family members recently in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 18. Notice the Bible says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which should be revealed in us. Folks, this verse teaches you and me that we can rejoice even in the midst of pain. Oh, that's good. That's good. It doesn't matter what pain we go through. It doesn't matter how our health is today. It doesn't matter because guess what? God's in control of it all anyway. Do you know that God knew the moment, Jazzy, I'll pick on Jazzy, God knew the moment that you would be born long before you were born. That's how good God is. God knows the day that I'll leave this earth and come to be with him, and he knows the same for you. God knows it all. He's a good God. He's planned it all. Listen, we can rejoice in the Lord. Typically, though, when we go through pain, what do we try to do? What do we try to do? These blisters all over my hand. What do we try to do? I try to keep it away from soapy water and, and that hand sanitizer. That stuff is deadly on open blisters. You think it's cleaning. It is killing the hand. So don't touch this hand today. No. Listen, what we typically do when we have pain is we do whatever we can to remove it. If my back is hurting, I do whatever I can to remove the pain in my back. If my head is hurting... Some of you will say, well, I take a Tylenol or whatever. You do whatever you have to do to remove the pain. But here's the thing, folks. When you and I try to dismiss pain, when you and I try to sweep pain under the rug, so to speak, we don't actually remove pain. We actually prolong it. When we say, God, I just can't rejoice right now. This isn't fair. I don't agree with what you're doing in my family. I don't agree with what you've done with my job or my home or the circumstances. God, I don't agree with what the government is saying right now. God, I don't agree with the way things are running in our country right now. Guess what? When you try to dismiss it, when you try to sweep it under the rug, you don't actually fix the pain. 
you actually prolong the pain because what you do is you continually think about it. It continually runs in your mind over and over again. But folks, I want to encourage you, God doesn't waste your pain. He doesn't waste your sorrow. He doesn't waste your grief. In fact, if you were to look in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 4, the Bible says that our Savior, speaking of Jesus, in advance says that He has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Oh, that's how good a God we have. In fact, if you look at verse 5 in Isaiah 53, it goes on to say that He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. With His stripes we are healed. I was reading over in Hebrews chapter 12 the other day and I wanted to add this verse in here for you just so you could see it in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2. The Bible says this, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the, watch the word there, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, my friends, our great God and Savior, I think he knows a little something about pain. Oh yeah, he was all God, but he was all man. Don't be confused. When they drove those, those nails through his hands and his feet, he felt it. Don't be confused. When they thrust that crown of thorns upon his brow, he felt it. Don't be confused. When they were whipping him with the cat of nine tails, believe me, he felt it. He knows a little something about our pain. And you know, Jesus, it says here that for the joy that was set before him, the beautiful joy of accomplishing what his father sent him to do, the beautiful joy uh, of completing the redemption of mankind, he said, yes, I'll do it, father. Oh, you see, God wants to use our hurt. He wants to use our pain. I believe to accomplish some great things. He wants to use our pain to draw us closer to Him. Turn with me in your Bible. I want you to see these two verses in 1 Peter chapter 4. Going a little bit further towards the back of the book. 1 Peter chapter 4. And this will give me an opportunity to get a sip of water. In 1 Peter 4, look at verse number 12. The Bible teaches us here by saying, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though, some, uh, as though some strange thing has happened unto you. Look at verse 13. But rejoice. That's crazy. Now watch the rest of the verse. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be, watch it, what? Glad also with what? Exceeding joy. Oh, my friends, we can rejoice today and every day because of who Jesus is, because of what Jesus has done. Some of you may remember, and you have to be a little bit older to know this song, but years ago, there was a father-son duo by the name Aaron and Jeffrey. Anybody remember Aaron and Jeffrey? A couple of people. And they wrote this song entitled, He Is. And I was thinking about this idea where Paul says to rejoice evermore. And I want to read the lyrics to you because I believe it proves the point really well. The lyrics of their song go this way. In Genesis, 
He's the breath of life. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. Numbers, the fire by night. Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, the lawgiver. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. First and second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. Oh my goodness, in Kings and Chronicles, he's sovereign. Ezra, the true and faithful scribe. Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. Oh, in Job, the timeless redeemer. Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, if you've been here on Wednesday night, you know he's wisdom's cry. Ecclesiastes, the time and season. In Solomon, he's the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, the cry for Israel. Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the spirit's power. In Amos, the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he's the Lord our Savior. Amen? In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and shield. Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. In, ha in Haggai, he restores a lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's our fountain. In Malachi, he's the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Bible says he's God, he's man, he's Messiah. In the book of Acts, he's the fire from heaven. In Romans, he's the grace of God. In Corinthians, the power of love. In Galatians, he's freedom from the curse of sin. Ephesians, our glorious treasure. Philippians, our, 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 the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's the Godhead Trinity. Thessalonians, I love it. Here it is, our coming king. Oh yes, in Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he's the everlasting covenant. In James, the one who heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he's our shepherd. In John and in Jude, he's the lover coming for his bride. And in Revelation, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Folks, he's the prince. Watch it. He's the prince of peace. He's the son of man. He's the lamb of God. He's the great I am. He's the alpha and the mega, the beginning and the end. Oh, my friends. He is God. He is our Savior. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. And Paul said, rejoice evermore. I think there's more than enough proof right there to start rejoicing. And guess what? That means that sometimes we're going to have to open up this and start praising and rejoicing Him with our voices. When we sing songs, it's okay to sing. You say, well, I don't have a good voice. It's beautiful to God. You say, well, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. Can I tell you, God wants to hear you praise Him. He wants to hear you sing songs of, of rejoicing to Him. Oh, my friends, think about David. David said this in Psalm 5, in verse 11. Here's what David said, a man after God's own heart. He said, but let all those that put their trust in Thee rejoice. Let them ever, watch it, there it is, shout for joy. You cannot be silent. I shared this either Wednesday night or a couple weeks ago. We can't be silent. You remember they tried to tell Jesus to get the people to shut up when he made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And you remember what he said? He said, if I tell them to shut up, the rocks will cry out. May God never have to have the rocks cry out because we won't. Oh man, we ought to be rejoicing evermore. When was the last time, my friends, that you have rejoiced and praised 
Jesus. Oh yes, he said rejoice evermore. Secondly, God's will. By the way, that's the longest point. The second thing that I see here is then they're all connected. I believe they're connected. You say, well, there's a period there. I believe these three thoughts are connected. Paul says pray without ceasing. Number two, pray. Number two, pray. And, and his, in this verse, pray without ceasing indicates, uh, the, the, it, it, it basically implies to you and me that prayer is to be a habit. It's to be a habit. Even in Travis's message last week as he was talking about prayer, you remember in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus teaching in the Beatitudes over and over again in Matthew, or Matthew chapter 6, rather, he says in verse number 5, when thou prayest. In verse 6, but when thou prayest. Verse 7, but when ye pray. Verse 9, after this manner, therefore, I'm going to give you an example. He says, pray ye. I think about in Mark chapter 1. In verse 35, the Bible reminds us that it was in the morning rising up a great while before it was day, that Jesus, the Bible says that he went out and he barted into a solitary place. And the Bible says, and there, guess what he did? He prayed, all God, all man, praying to the Father. Colossians, Paul writes to the church and he says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Oh, my friends, constant fellowship with God every day is going to be a key to a successful Christian life. The Lord was David's refuge. That's why David was known as a man after God's own heart. By the way, I think it's the uh, first Kings that says David did everything that was right in the eyes of the Lord except when it came to his dealing with Uriah the Hittite surrounding the story with Bathsheba. But the Bible says that the Lord was David's refuge. And in Psalm 55, in verse 16 and 7, look at what he says. He says, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Watch what he says. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Oh, my friends, we need to ensure that we are keeping the lines of communication open. But just as Travis reminded us last week, before you get too busy praying, remember Travis reminded us last week how that sin how that poor relationships this way, how that, how that misplaced priorities can hinder our prayer life. Oh, we have to be careful of those things as well. I was thinking about a few minutes ago, I was encouraging everyone to be joyful and rejoice. And how beautiful a thing it is to see that the Holy Spirit of God instructs Paul, right, to connect this idea of praying without ceasing with the idea of rejoicing evermore. And you say, well, what's the point? The point that I want to prove to you here from Scripture is that rejoicing and prayer go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. In fact, it was Jesus who said in John chapter 16 and verse 24, He said, Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. He said, Ask and ye shall receive. What's He say? That your what? Oh, your ability to rejoice will be full that your joy will be full. I've said many times that the person of joy is going to pray and the person of prayer is going to have joy. Oh, they're, they're interconnected. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, God's Word tells us that Jesus spake a parable unto them. Those are the Pharisees that He was talking with just prior to this. He speaks a parable to them to this end that men ought always to pray and not 
to faint. Again, pointing to the habit of prayer. You know, we love, I think most people, if you're a believer, you love 1 John 1, 9. You see, because 1 John 1, 9 connects the, the condition of prayer and confessing our sins with the idea of getting forgiveness. Everybody likes that. Hebrews 4 celebrates in verse 15 and 16 that when you and I pray, we obtain mercy and we find grace to help in our time of need. These are verses that we like. It's like, oh man, I love it. I can pray and I can obtain mercy and I can find grace to help in my time of need. If I pray and I ask God to forgive me, he's faithful and just and he'll forgive me. And, and we cling to these two or three verses and we say, man, God is so good. But if we're not careful, we abuse that gift of prayer. See, and what happens is if we're not careful, we have misplaced priorities. We're asking for a specific reason. Oh, God, just, just, just do this in this one time and I'll never ask again. Oh, listen, prayer ought to be communication with God, not just simply telling him what we want him to hear, but listening to him so that he can tell us what he wants us to hear. It was that great pastor of yesterday, Adrian Rogers, who once declared, the greatest problem that we face is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Philippians 4, 4 again says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And you say, well, why do you bring that up? You're on the topic of prayer. Well, I want you to see that prayer, rejoicing and prayer are connected. Because he says that in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. But if you go to verse 6, right, verse 5 has to deal with moderation, all right? And then you go to verse number 6, notice what Paul says. He says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by what? Oh, it... Guys, it's connected. He says, by everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Oh, that's our next point. Just hang on to that again. So I've got rejoice in verse 4. I've got in verse 6, I've got prayer and thanksgiving. He says, by everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Not only are the instructions to rejoice and pray connected but now we see that actually prayer is a key right it's a key that produces peace it says pray your supplications with thanksgiving and then verse 7 says and the peace of god which doesn't make sense to you will keep your heart and mind through christ jesus it's all connected see this is god's will for the people of god let me just say this i Put a little side note in, in my notes. If you're too busy to communicate with God, if you're just too busy to pray, can I lovingly say you're just too busy? If you don't have enough time to humble yourself and come before the throne of God's grace and mercy, right? If you're too, hum if you're too prideful or whatever the situation is, you're too busy, then you're just too busy. you got to take time. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Oh my goodness, prayer is such a powerful thing. Someone said it this way, just as Samson's strength lay in his hair, so does all our strength lie in ceaseless prayer. Oh my friends, Paul said pray without ceasing. And then lastly, I believe God's will for our lives is that we give thanks. We give thanks not simply in November, but each and every day. Verse number 18 says, in everything, 
and what that means in every circumstance, in every situation, in the good, the bad, in the ugly, give thanks. And I know what you're saying. Pastor, are you telling me that there's Spain's back there? Are you telling me that when we have a car accident, we ought to give thanks for the car accident? No. I didn't say give thanks for the car accident. I didn't say give thanks for coronavirus. I didn't say give thanks for flu or anything else. Give thanks because of who God is. That in the midst of an accident, He's still your Lord. He's still your Savior. He's still the one that's going to see you through. That's what we give thanks for. I'm not talking about going out of here with some kind of morbid mindset to where we're giving thanks for ungodly things. No, the Spirit of God is not asking us to do that. But we can give thanks to God because... Quite honestly, he's sovereign. He's in charge. And that takes, I don't know if, if you've ever done this personally, if you'll recognize his sovereignty, it'll take a whole load off of you. You don't have to worry about it because he's in control and I'm not and you're not. Oh, we can give thanks. Whether we're facing good times, desperate times, troublesome times, wicked times. Oh, we're, we're facing some wicked times. We're also facing some very unbelievable times. I'm thankful that my God never changes. James says in James 1.17, he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. But watch the last part of the verse. He says, With whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Our God never changes. Think about God Jehovah in Malachi 3.6. He proclaims his unchanging nature. You remember in that verse, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Oh, my friends, you ought to take comfort in that. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday. That's right. Oh, yes, forever and ever, he says the same. God knows what he's doing. Doesn't seem like it. Pastor, I just don't know what we're going to do. What's going to happen to our country? Remember, Paul wrote, it's high time to wake out of our sleep. Maybe God says, it's time to wake up. It's time to stand up. You know, in the Marine Corps, we used to do a lot of this. Stand up, buckle up, a shuffle to the door, jump right out and shout Marine Corps. Well, guess what? Maybe God's trying to get a hold of our hearts to remind us to stand up buckle up and shuffle out the door and go into a world that needs to hear my love a world that needs to hear my truth and tell them that I love them tell them that I sent my son to die for him. maybe that's the wake-up call that we need to be paying attention to oh listen our circumstances may have changed throughout this year hey guess what your circumstance may have changed for the better even in the midst of coronavirus and everything else that's going on you may say man Actually, I know every, it's kind of crazy, but things are going pretty well for me right now. In fact, I know JT and Jade are getting ready to get married, and, and JT's probably thinking, man, this 2020 is a banner year. I'm getting ready to get married. But can I tell you this? It doesn't matter whether it's a good season for you or a poor season, a difficult season or not. Our God changes not. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a patient God. He... He's very, very patient. <laughs> uh, all, you have to remind, all you have to do to remind yourself that he's patient is take a look in the mirror. <laughs> I walk by the mirror and I'm like, oh, Lord, thank you for your patience. 
Oh, he's a wise God. He's a merciful God. We can give thanks because he's sovereign. You know something else? I believe we can give thanks because of his salvation. <laughs> we can give thanks because of his salvation. You know, I wrote down in my notes, this life is uncertain at best, but eternity and salvation are eternal. Salvation is eternal. I don't want to necessarily be the bearer of bad news, but things in this life may get worse before they get better. You may be dealing with something right now and you don't know how you're going to find your way out. Things may get worse before they get better. However, there's good news. In fact, I'm going to ask you to look at one more passage. It's real close. Philippians chapter 3. Look back at Philippians chapter 3 because I want you to see it from God's Word and not just look at it on the screen. Philippians chapter 3. You see, because God's Word gives us some good news. Drop down when you get there to verse number 20. God's word gives us some good news by proclaiming that as believers, as Christ followers, watch what it says here. It says, our conversation, our community or citizenship, if you please, our conversation is in heaven. There should have been an amazing amen right there. My citizenship is in heaven. Yes, I may have voted in Virginia, but my citizenship is in heaven. Soon and very soon. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. Can you imagine God, a very God, taking your hand? Come on, let me show you something. I just wanted to... I, I just wanted to I just want, not, not that you didn't believe it, uh, I just wanted you to see it all. I believe that we're all going to be a little bug-eyed when we get to heaven. We're all going to be a little bug-eyed. We're going to be like, what is this? And I don't know, I'm a little strange. That's okay. And I don't think he'll be doing it braggadociously. Look over at Jesus, he'll be like, I told you I loved you. Told you I loved you. Give thanks. Everything. Because this is the will of God concerning you, concerning me in Christ Jesus. Oh, listen, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Oh, we can give thanks because of his salvation. Oh, listen, uh, we're, we're headed to a land, quite frankly. I put it, we're headed to a land, quite frankly. Revelation 21 and verse number 4 tells us we're headed to a land where one day God is going to wipe away all the tears from our eyes. He's, there's going to be no more death. There's going to be no more sorrow. There's going to be no more crying. There's never going to be any more pain. What an amazing God we serve. We can give thanks because He's sovereign, because of His salvation. But I'll be honest with you, I give thanks here and now because just as a song talks about give me faith and talks about receiving the strength that God has, we can give thanks because of his strength. It was Habakkuk in a very difficult season, tragic time, if you please. In Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 19, he proclaimed, the Lord God is my strength. It was David in Psalm 27.1 who declared, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? A very next verse later, during his plea for deliverance, David says these words. He says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. See, 
he, he's thankful and then he rejoices. He says, and with my song will I praise him. It was Isaiah who proclaimed. You know, hey, listen, anybody need some strength this morning? When I rolled over and crawled out of that thing I call a bed this morning, my back needed a little bit of strength, right? Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 29 and following, it tells us that God is going to give strength or power to the faint, to them that have no might. He increases strength. Verse 30, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord woo, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Folks, I got good news for you, and I'm going to message one time. I'm going to preach a message here soon. I got to remind myself to do it from Isaiah chapter 40. Do you know how high eagles soar? You ever seen an eagle actually soaring in the air? Can you imagine what we look like just to the eagle from that distance? Oh, that's what, it's good. that's what we do when we renew our strength with the Lord. We're able to soar over the problems of life. We're able to soar beyond all the heartache and the hurt and all the things that we're facing right now. That's why Paul said rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. Philippians. Paul reinforces his own principle by saying, I can do all things through Christ, which what? Strengthens me. Oh, my friends, it's easy. And I'll be honest, we're all susceptible to it. So listen, I'm, I'm in the battle with you, right? It's easy uh, to let the darkness of the world take a hold of our heart. Isn't it? It's real easy. Man, you start seeing all the things that are going on, it's like, ugh. Uh, I'm looking forward to 2021. Let me just caution you. There's no guarantee that 21, 2021 is going to be any better than 2020. From my perspective, things are just getting worse, 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 and worse. Which I believe the Lord is trying to get our attention. But again to the song, this is amazing. It's by faith. Watch this. We can't allow the darkness to rule our lives. But by faith, we have to look beyond the darkness, see beyond the darkness to the one who proclaimed in John chapter 8 and verse number 12, he's the one who proclaimed, I am the light of the world. What did he say? I'm the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of of life. Folks, faith enables you and I to see beyond the darkness of the one uh, of all the troubles we face, all the troubles we face, because here's what happens. When you start to walk by faith, troubles mysteriously become blessings in disguise. You're like, well, this, this was difficult. This was hard. This was hurtful. But if you'll just rejoice, if you'll just pray, if you'll just continue to give thanks, what you'll start to find out is that God was using that hurt. He was using that pain. He was not discarding it. He was not trying to shove it under the rug. He was trying to do something into your life and into my life individually and maybe as a church corporately. And so we have the opportunity to give thanks. And by the way, the psalmist says giving thanks is a worthy sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15, the Bible tells us by him, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often does it say to do that? Continually. 
By him, let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Watch it, giving thanks to his name. Keep that verse up for a second. Two things that I want to point out. Number one, the word continually. Number two, the fruit of our lips. Again, rejoicing, I said you're going to have to open up your mouth. You can rejoice on the inside. But as the psalmist said, there's a time that we need to shout for joy. And you know a good time to shout for joy is when you come to God's house. You know there's a lot of people who will join you in shouting for joy because of Jesus. Another time is when you're talking with those who still need to know Jesus. You can shout for joy. See, as we live our lives, you want to know something that's real attractive to a lost person? That's real attractive to a lost person is a Christian who actually lives basically based on what they say they are. Right? You say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, how are you living your life? Does it speak well of Jesus Christ? Oh, it's a great, great testimony. Oh, listen, Psalm 100 and verse number 4, and I finish. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Folks, just as rejoicing and prayer are key to successful Christian living, this idea of thanksgiving is the key that actually unlocks, watch it, the proverbial gate of our great God. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing and give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. These three things from Scripture are not simply suggestions or good advice. <laughs> good advice from the Lord. They're literally sharing with you and I God's will for the people of God today. And so let me just ask, you know, it's been my experience, if you don't know him, you'll not rejoice, you'll not pray, and you'll not give thanks. You say, how do you know? Because I once was lost. I once was blind. I once needed a Savior as well, right? As that song, Amazing Grace, goes. And so if you're in this room or you're watching online and you've never called out upon the name of the Lord, you've never asked Jesus to forgive you. By the way, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. There's no, there's no shame in saying that you're a sinner. That's just the way, hey, listen, Adam's sin, it's been imputed to us. We are sinners in need of a Savior. That's why God sent his son. To become the savior of the world, right? And so if you need to ask the Lord to come into your life, to forgive you of your own personal sin, not your brother's sin, your sister's sin, your dad's sin, your mom's sin, or your grandpa or your grandma's sin, but your own sin, do it today. Please, do it today. Ask the Lord to forgive you and to come into your life and to begin to change you from the inside out. But if you're here and you say, yeah, pastor, blah, 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 blah. I already know Jesus as my Savior. Okay. Then my question is this. When was the last time you took time to rejoice? How often do you pray? When was the last time you gave thanks? I think today would be a good day to start. You say, well, I, it's been tough, Pastor. I'm not going to lie. That's why I'm asking you. Make a recommitment right now. Just say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not rejoicing in how great you are. Forgive me. Forgive me for not communicating with you.
the way that I know that I should, the way that you've, you've instructed me to. Forgive me for not keeping that line of communication open. Lord, I, I want to communicate with you. I want to have fellowship with you in a greater way. God, help me to give me the strength, give me the wisdom, give me the wherewithal to, to make that determination, that choice each and every day to get down and to pray to you. Maybe that's your desire. Or maybe it's just you haven't been really thankful. You've taken everything that God's given you for granted. And I'm not just talking about eternal things for granted. Maybe you've taken the very gift of life for granted. Do you know that when you wake up in the morning and you're still breathing, that's a gift? You ought to be giving God thanks. Man, when you lay down at night, if you have somewhere to lay your head on a soft thing called a mattress or a cot or whatever, sleeping bag, you have the ability to lay your head down and get rest at night. You ought to be giving God thanks because he's the one that gives you the ability to get rest. You can go to Psalm 127 and read about that. Oh, why not give thanks? You say, well, I'm a believer. In... But if you haven't rejoiced lately, if you haven't prayed lately, and if you haven't been busy giving God thanks, I want to encourage you right now, right where you're at, we're going to enter into a time of invitation. I want you to do business with God. Because you want to have the greatest thanksgiving ever? Repurpose yourself. Repurpose yourself to rejoice evermore. Repurpose yourself to pray without ceasing. Repurpose yourself to give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for the time that we've had to be in your word today. Lord, I don't know what's going on behind every heart's door, but Lord, I know that in a room this size, and those who are watching online, there may be somebody who has never called upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. And so, Lord, I pray that you would move upon their heart, that you would remind them that you love them so much, so much that you sent your son to die for their sins. And the Bible tells us that if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we'll believe in our heart that you have raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. It goes on, it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll do that in each and every person's heart that needs to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says that if we'll do that, we'll be saved. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.